We have to keep our country gate. Cool Nike sweatshirt. Sell out. I know you're a company man. I'm done. This podcast is over. Um, so figured we'd be a little more on target today, unless you have something you want to start with. No, not necessarily. I mean, there were a few things I wanted to hit before we jumped into Lotus. But did you want to start with something? Yours is probably better than mine. No, I just have a rolling list of of things I write down in case we ever need something to talk about. Oh, you want to run through some of those, like Job and Arrested Development? Uh, I can't, well, I don't know how quick they are. Um, I'll just throw one of them out there. Okay. Okay. This is from this week. Something that I've noticed. Um, I want to know what the criteria is for censoring lyrics in Apple music. Mm. Because you know, when you listen to something in Apple music, you can, it plays the lyrics. Yeah. Have you seen that? And sometimes it'll asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Well, the N word is always blanked out, mm-hmm. always censored. Mm-hmm. But I. How do you know if that's the word? Well, because I'm listening to the music. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about just the lyric, right? The music's right, right. not censored. Exactly. Just the just word just the in the lyric sheet is censored. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. But I've been listening to some earlier late 90s early aughts era rap and i've noticed that the f word slur Uh not censored okay in the lyrics just spelled out in all its glory right so i want to know what the they got the kuno unlock yeah i want to know what the uh what the thinking behind that is Mm. why is n word censored but f word is not censored i would think if anything the f word is worse right i mean i'm not going to get into a well i mean in terms of like in context it's being used as a slur in the songs okay yeah but the n word is not yeah you know what i mean Uh so who is in charge of that i mean that's that goes back to like i've taken that off my list certain arguments about like (laughs) Cultural, right? Like what's culturally? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's yeah. obviously kind of what it comes down to. Well, but I mean, I guess even then, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Okay. Well, good. We got one off the list. There you go. I'm scared to explore that. Just list imagine more what the rest of them are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. My list is much is. Far more brief. Nope. Um, okay. Number one, I don't know if the you want N-word. to talk more in depth about this. Okay. But um, ham, ham, hamburger. One thing I've been thinking about all week is Banshees of Inishirin. Okay. Um, a movie that I went and saw, only to find out <laughs> from you that you'd already seen it, like a week previous you just never mentioned it to me what do you want me to say i saw banshees of inishirin <laughs> that would have been nice okay well i saw it yeah what well, about it exactly we, we <laughs> talked about like 
I remember talking about like, yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, is it Martin McDonough or uh-huh. uh, the director? I love his stuff. And um, only to find out, you're like, yeah, I went and saw that. Like a week mm-hmm. ago, whatever. It was good. But that and the movie Tar, I finally, I was circling Tar for a while and then finally pulled the trigger and watched that. Yeah. And um, both movies have really stuck with me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But Banshees of Inishirin, give me your quick, like, extrapolate on. It's good. What's your quick take on? <clears throat> um, I th- Yeah, I thought it was really good. How was the crowd? Yeah. Were it, they into it? It was. Yeah, they were into it. It was a lot busier. We saw it opening night. Would have been nice um, to know before tonight. <laughs> well, it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. It was kind of, I think, like the day before my mom was like, hey, do you want to have the girls come do a sleepover? And we were like, yeah. And then Friday came and we were like, well, what are we going to do tonight? Yeah, you guys it's can't like, well, let's go see the movie, I guess. Yeah. We're inside enough. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it was busy. It was not busy. It, there was more people than I expected. Like I mentioned before, a couple did walk out unceremoniously just in the middle of the movie like it wasn't after he didn't huff or anything no it wasn't after he cut his finger off for the first time it wasn't like you know what i mean it just was in the middle of a scene they just got up and left no idea why one of those classic moments where you're like why are you even here to begin with what brought you to this movie like i can't imagine anything I, I think I've said this before, maybe about White Lotus, but like I cannot imagine any expectation you might have had about this movie coming into this, coming yeah. into it that halfway through the movie you would have been like, "This is not what I was expecting at all. We're out of here." It's called the Banshees of Inisherin. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like even if you saw a trailer and you're like, "Oh, that looks <clears throat> exciting" or whatever, the movie's still called the Banshees of Inisherin. I don't, you know, I mean that yeah. should dampen any expectations from somebody who's it's like, a great let's just go have a fun time at the movie yeah museum. it's a great old person movie that's how i would describe it well i saw it with a bunch of old people yeah i saw Which it makes sense sandwich. we're old people <laughs> well older yeah i saw it sandwiched between a lot of old uh older people yeah um one person was actively like uh antagonistic Against it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like reacting in reacting, the theater? And something happened. They just go, well, I can't hear a damn thing. <laughs> well, why, why do you do that? I don't even know why I did that. Uh, well, maybe they couldn't understand because of their accents. Well, they couldn't understand because of the accents, but then also they were commenting on like the things that were happening. They didn't understand yeah. why they're happening. And yeah, at some point it's like, it's both very literal and somewhat metaphorical you know what i mean yeah. and, th- and so that can be a hard thing to navigate where it's like the character what the character says they mean well and the whole and plight of colin farrell's character is that he doesn't understand what's going on or why what is happening to him is happening so it's kind of like yeah you got it right i don't understand exactly you got it you're not missing anything you're, you're right on target your confusion <laughs> is absolutely appropriate <laughs> and now move forward with right that. yeah like now, now just, just watch the movie. No, no, just yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I should have said like every time you, I should have leaned over because they were like two seats away from me. I should have just leaned over and been like, every time you make an audible comment, 
I will cut off a finger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll cut off a finger and I'll throw it at you. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be like, did that help? Now, now you get it. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I said that to help you. I will not do that. Um, Talk to him. Now we talked a little bit about whether or not you like Colin Farrell would, yeah. would let that go. Or if you would be like, I need to have an answer. I, I cannot. Right. Well, you go. brought up, when we were talking about it, this idea that there's like some sort of debate around who the protagonist of the movie is or who the good guy in the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very clearly not Brendan Gleeson, right? How could he be construed as the good guy? Yeah. I, well, that, that was the one thing that got me because somebody that I follow on Twitter put something on there. Like, I don't know. And I didn't go back and follow this up. But they're like, I just watched Banshees of Inishirin. I don't know that my sympathies lie with the person I'm supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. be sympathizing with. And then it's like, and I didn't go back to clarify who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, that's a very cryptic tweet that's like, you think I should be sympathetic to this person, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then you watch the movie, you're like, wait, who? Yeah. Because the other thing that I love about the movie and I love about all of his movies is there's not a clear, fully clear person that you can fully get behind and root root for. Well, maybe, well, yeah, maybe it's the sister. Maybe the sister is the one who you're supposed no, that, to be that's sympathetic. That's everybody is. No, sure. it's like, yeah, then the, then the tweet would be, I'm sympathetic with the most sympathetic person. <laughs> there you go. There, and, and that's her. Yeah. Um, or maybe he was sympathetic to Barry Keoghan's yeah. character. A little Dom, pervert. Dominic? I don't remember what Dom. his name was. The biggest, one of the biggest reactions out of the whole crowd, which was, wor- like, this is what you missed in quarantine. This is what you missed in home viewing. Mm-hmm. Is when they walk in on Barry Keoghan's dad nude <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that got a good reaction out of seeing our everybody yeah. hearing everybody react you're like this is why you come to well the there movies. is also there is a delay to it too because the first time you see it you don't know what you're looking at yeah. and then it cuts back and it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah it's so funny it's so good that got a really great re- reaction something happened in this movie that doesn't happen to me a lot that really like got to me i was very upset with myself mm-hmm. i had to pee i oh, actually really? had to leave the theater to pee which mm-hmm. you know if you know me i was totally horrified <laughs> and when i came when i came back i actually went sat in a different seat so i was like I oh can't, really I can't, yeah i can't make everybody move where did you see it at amc mm. but my feeling is <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, I went through, so after it, and and after I watch a movie like that and like Tar, I'll go and like just word search it on Mm. podcasts and then see, listen to some podcasts. Mm -hmm. That's how I circle back to some of my, some of the podcasts I'll pop in and out of like pop culture, culture happy hour on NPR. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, this isn't even really a fully formed thought, but Listening to people talk about Banshees of Inisherin and Tar, especially 
from organizations like NPR and all that stuff on like podcasts that actually edit and they have to write out what they say. Mm-hmm. Like I refuse to believe that some of these people are just jump, hopping on mic and just talking. It's impossible. Yeah, of course. So for the people that put that kind of effort out, <clears throat> this is not this is not an observ- like a useful observation. What but a just, stupid message. Yeah. It made me think like I have been programmed, I'll just make this about me. I've been programmed to view intelligence in a very specific light. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like how we as a society have foregrounded civility as if civility is a thing that we all should strive for. Like it's an inherent good. Mm-hmm. And you want to be like, what's, what a weird thing to pick out of like, I'm building a society. What things do I want to emphasize that we should really strive for? I'm definitely starting with civility. Like, you know I mean? That doesn't even mean anything. And anytime, right? Like politics come up, people care about, or, or and it's like, what do you care about? It's like, well, I care about my taxes being lower. And I care about civility. Mm-hmm. I really think we need to be civil. Mm-hmm. It's not a real, a, a, a real striving. Like that's nothing to strive for, right? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've been losing my words too lately, which is scary. But um, that's not a, what's another word for like a positive attribute? It's not uh, a, a, a characteristic. Yeah, you're asking positive. the wrong guy. Anyway. It's just nothing I feel like that we should try for. Having sure. said that, listening to these people talk about these movies, I listened to like three different ones and I felt like I was listening to like the same conversation three different times. Mm-hmm. I was like, there has to be a person who went through the smart channels to like get on these podcasts. Like, I feel like all of them will have like college degrees at least, usually from like a known school that, you know, I would know even though I'm not from that state. Mm-hmm. And they, go to work for national public radio or whatever. They get on a podcast and they talk about tar and they have this conversation cut and paste. Right. And I just feel like th- where's the, where's the diversity mm-hmm. of opinion or voice? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like in the end, I just heard people say the same thing. And to me, again, it's not like a, it's not a useful obser- observation, but again, it made me walk away being like, are we championing like, certain ways of doing this thing, right? Like there's certain elements, like this is what makes you smart to think about art this way, to talk mm-hmm. about it this way. And in the same way that we're like, let's, let's be civil in this country. Sure. And really, yeah, you're, you're, you're not really, I don't know. Well, that was useless. No, I hear you. Oh, good. <clears throat> so what did you think about the main uh, drive of the movie? Yeah, so like I mean, is Colin who is in the wrong then? There's something. That, oh, I was also saying that because I think I didn't hear anyone pick up on this, mm-hmm. but there's a there's a key point to unlock Calm's perspective and mm-hmm. his motivation in the in the film. I think Brendan Gleeson's mm-hmm. character. It's when he goes to talk to the priest, and the priest asks about how's your despair, mm-hmm. and he asks him twice. And in the midst of everything, what you're dealing with is a man who's dealing with, like, not depression. He's dealing with, like, a deep despair. Yeah. And whether that's because he is looking at the end of his life and not able to deal with it, or whether he is just coming to the end of uh, an existence they 
didn't find meaning in, he's being motivated by that despair. So yeah, intellectually, like philosophically, I understand Colm's actions. On a human level, they're no, I'm not on his side. Yeah, you know what I mean. <clears throat> but even then, the people he, I don't find Colin Farrell's character to be that much more dim-witted than everyone else in the village. No, no, exactly. Who he continues to hang out with. Well, there's that there's that confrontation scene, which is great, where <clears throat> he finds Colm talking to the police officer mm-hmm. who beats and uh, yeah, and sexually molests abuses his kid. Yeah, his kid. And he's like him. You want you want to be with him, mm-hmm. and you know maybe that that does speak to. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and justify the two minutes that I spent ranting. Okay, and say maybe that speaks to the idea that like, you know, a, a police officer or whoever is more established, a, a more established figure in society. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't want to spend my time with the man who has a few farm animals and looks through their shit and will talk to me two hours about it. Mm-hmm. Loves his donkey too much. Loves his donkey too much. I'll talk to the <clears throat> to the constable mm-hmm. because that is someone who I can, you know, who's more respectable. Sure. Right? Society. So, society speaking. So, so anyway, what's interesting is that comes after, right? If I'm remembering this correctly, that comes after calm punches the cop in the knocks him out basically right for mm-hmm. um for beating up mm-hmm. podrick mm-hmm. right yeah i think so yeah so that was the one thing that that was like i i don't know but that makes it seem a little more malicious than just Exa- exactly yeah exactly that's what i'm saying yeah that it seems almost a little more to meant to antagonize podrick yeah that's him beating up the constable. He did that. So, yeah, it's, it's the same idea of like, hey, here's the way to be smart. Let me show you this way. Here are the people who are worth your time. Spend time with these people. But, yeah, no, it definitely seems cruel, especially early on. It seems cruel mm-hmm. to Podrick. Right. I saw somebody on Twitter before I saw the movie mention this, and so I was looking for it, and it, I think it made it so much more heartbreaking to me. But they were like, the the face Colin Farrell makes when he realizes what date it is in Banshee's Adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes <laughs> in, he's crossing off and he realizes it was April it's Fool's. It's April Fool's. And he thinks he solved it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was great. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, do, do you agree, though, that, like, Calm, Calm has the philosophic backing, right? Like, like. You can understand why he's doing what he's doing, but disagree with the way he's doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think it was just a meaningless... I don't think he was doing it just to be cruel, right? But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's... I don't know if you can do something like that without being... I think that's what... The act in and of itself is cruel. I think that's what he thought. Yeah. I think he thought... I'm going to do that. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it fully. Balls to the wall. Exactly. And there's no way that I can explain it to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like what can you say? He he will keep, and maybe it's because he deeply knows Padre. <clears throat> maybe mm-hmm. we're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. That he knows that he won't accept any answer. Mm-hmm. So maybe he needs to be extreme. Like 
in some ways, he immediately goes to, it's, it's almost like somebody coming up to you and saying, Justin, I don't want you to do this thing, but not for you. And, and in order to help you understand how important it is, I'm going to tell you that, that the effects of you doing that thing is going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I'm playing on your like love for me that would prevent you from doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he, he understands that he can't reason with Podrick that the best way to reason with him is to be like, basically say, Podrick, I know you love me. So please don't do this mm-hmm. because you know that I will hurt myself. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's almost <clears throat> like you could look at it from that way where it, it really is someone who deeply knows their friend and loves their friend, but, but feels like they need to do this drastic thing. And they realize Podrick will never understand and he can only frame, frame it in the context of, yeah, mm-hmm. help, help, help me. Like, don't hurt me, you know? Yeah. What was the deal with the old lady? Was she like... She was a banshee, this, is what I thought. What's a banshee? So, I mean, like, so the... She's like the specter of death. Yeah, well, they, they right? talk about it, right? Like, historically in Ireland, banshees are harbingers of death. Okay. Right? Like, if you even think about Macbeth, right? Uh-huh. And you have. I don't the, know anything about Macbeth. You, didn't you watch the Cone? You, you no. got to the Cone Brothers. We, like, we watched five minutes of it and yeah. could. I had an easier time understanding what they're saying in Banshees of, of Inishirin than I did Macbeth. Um, the, the, the witches that, that show up. Which right. In, in that Cone Brothers is just one witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. She's so good. It looks incredible. It looks but. so good and is. Um, so yeah, Banshees, and I'm not deep into. Irish lore, but mm-hmm. my understanding is that banshees are harbingers of death and doom. And in this, she's cast almost as like, like I almost take it. What else did I see that it was? Yeah, I saw something else that kind of twisted a fable like this. But it's almost as if the banshee has lived so long that they no longer like have have the desire or the willpower maybe mm-hmm. to like operate how they did 50,000 years ago mm-hmm. where maybe they could like spectrally haunt the the coastline and pop up on somebody and like give them a weird <laughs> proclamation and like blow away in the wind uh-huh. where now they're just like the cranky old crone who just <laughs> kind of like gets off on <laughs> on gossip yeah like she just wants to go around she's just gonna like gossip with people get news about people and like that's how the banshee's gonna get her her kicks you know what right, I mean? right but she is present uh, the idea or the feeling i got was that she is present whenever she's present somebody's going to die that she's around yeah just right like a, yeah so um the boy the kid mm-hmm. dies eventually the the donkey, I feel like, Oof. has a, she's around for that. And then at the end of the movie, when Podrick and Calm have their confrontation on the beach, mm-hmm. and there's like the slow zoom out as Podrick walks away. Yeah. And she's sitting in the field watching them. So Like out of focus in the background, right? No, like she eventually is in like the foreground and they're in the background. Okay, yeah. So is that 
you know, is that saying like one of these, these two are taking this to the dead. This is not like, because Podrick burns his house down. Yes. So you're, you're talking about like are, the very end. At right? the, the very end. Yeah. So does that mean that this is not like they just take it to, you know what I mean? Right. I, well, I think two things. I think number one is she, she's not predicting a fate um, that, that can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Early on, right? She's like, there will be one death, maybe two. Mm-hmm. So, number one, I think they're like harbingers of death, but they aren't like, they're, they're, they're not able to accurately predict the future that, that can't be changed, mm-hmm. right? So, number one, I think any time that she's there, it it's the threat of death. I don't think that her presence necessarily means full stop death. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think that she does represent this ongoing feud that could potentially cost a, a, a cost maybe both their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, you also get the sense in the ending too. Like I thought it was interesting that Calm was like, "Now we're square, right?" Calm is the one who tries to be like, "We're even now," mm-hmm. and Podrick's the one who's like, "No, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're we're not." So yeah. you wonder, like, is Calm going to start fighting back? Because through all of this, he just took it. You yeah. know what I mean? So if I would think anyone's going to win, that the next time Potter comes, Calm's just going to be like, do what you need. I don't care. Uh-huh. But maybe maybe he does. Maybe this is when he starts fighting back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The other thing that I love is I love when, when stories like that background, like another, like I love the Civil War background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go in depth. You don't have to make it a huge thing. You just put it yeah. in the background. It's subtly underplaying everything. I can read into it if I want to, or I don't have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just adds a depth. It's like White Noise, the book, um, adding the toxic cloud over its narrative. Mm-hmm. There's just this toxic cloud that's constantly hovering. The actual story doesn't have a lot to do with the toxic cloud for large portions of it you forget that there's a toxic cloud over Mm -hmm. these people it just adds that atmosphere that deepens the themes yeah yeah one of the things that i found most interesting about it was just the the setting just like literally the physical setting and it doesn't get it's not like a thing it doesn't get commented on or anything oh get commented on the npr (laughs) no yeah (laughs) but it just seems like so it almost feels like like foreign, like alien almost. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that, I just found any, every single time they were outside and it just is like flat land and then these strange hand-built stone walls everywhere that I have no idea why they were even there. It just was so weird looking. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Well, I even love the opening setup shot of the island. That kind yeah. of aerial view. Yeah, there's a couple of those. It just gives you that that sense mm-hmm. right off where you're like, this is, what's the farm, what's the division here? Yeah. What's, and the same thing with like, what does, how does Podrick make money? But you realize like, oh, he just sells milk sells once a week. milk, yeah. Once a week, that's all he needs. He just gets, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he goes and has a, has a pint, talks about what's yeah. in his uh, ponies. Here's the other question I wanted to ask. Did you laugh out loud at all? Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Plenty of times. Yeah. Because, again, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's very funny. Mm -hmm. But, like, people in my audience, other than Dominic's father's penis, Mm -hmm. it it just wasn't, like, but I was, like, there are times where I was, like, cackling. Yeah. I thought thought it was great. Um, Last question. What do you think of Barry Keoghan's character? Again, I think he's Dominic. He is a little bit of an overactor. Uh about to overact and storm out of here. For real. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just the character, but I didn't not like it. I thought it was good. But there are definitely some it's 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 the twitchy thing. It's the twitchy thing that so many people do. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh man, he's such a great actor. But really it's just them like twitching their face a bunch. And it's like, yeah, I get it, but that yeah. kind of kills it for me a little bit. With, with with him and with stuff like that, I just feel like saying, "Give me something." Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm okay with it. I would rather go watch somebody like do something on screen than have somebody be sure. like the nuance of Dominic is. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like no, make him twitchy. Yeah, make him kind of like you know spazzy a little sure. bit. Wait, can I? Use, that's not a good word to use anymore, right? It's not if you're in Europe. I apologize. It's okay if you're in America. Well, I apologize anyway. Um, b- bitte, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that might be more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, Banshees of Inisherin has has really stayed with me. I think it says a lot. I think it has a lot to say about stuff that's worth thinking about. Yeah. And I, I really I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh all right. Do you want to move on to White Lotus? Sure. Okay. Uh episode four is called In the Sandbox. Before we get to episode four, I have to go back. Because we mentioned something on the last episode about, oh, the episode's called Bull Elephants. Why is it called Bull Elephants? Da, 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 da. I re-watched the episode because I watched it without Julia. So I watched it with her. And they have a conversation directly talking about Bull Elephants. Oh. I don't know how I missed it or how <laughs> I, I didn't it. remember I it. But Ooh, the, the- Daphne and Harper. And Daphne is giving this long speech about how men are bull elephants oh. and they're lonely and there's all this competition and da 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 yeah so just that's wanted to that, go that, back and re- acknowledge that we missed that right that's something that we didn't really talk about a lot but like the the male slash female friendships discussion well which i normally right. don't have a lot of time for mm-hmm. but would you well yeah i thought that was interesting what i thought was interesting about it is that and maybe I'm wrong, but, and, and maybe this is also, we just watched part of the Bill Burr special again last night. Which one? His latest one. Oh. Okay. And we'd watched it before, and he's, he he was brought up the same thing in the special. And so maybe that's sort of tainting my- you had to go back for seconds, huh? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes Julia will start playing stuff, and I'll be like, we watched this before. And she goes, what? No, we didn't. Mm-hmm. So we watched some of it. Um, but Daphne approaches it as in a way that's 
her, her take on it is that men are so competitive with each other mm-hmm. and they're always going at each other and trying to one up and blah, 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 blah. And women are not doing that, I guess. But the conventional wisdom I thought seems to be the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like to me, it seems like it's, it's always viewed as the women who are super hyper competitive with each other. I mean, the, the, the example is the, the housewives show, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. no shows like that. And not to say, say that the housewife shows are like, uh, immutable <laughs> truth or whatever, <laughs> but there's no shows like that about men. Right. So it seems to be that the conventional, the conventional thinking for Americans, at least, is the opposite of that. Yeah, and I, and even and even with this episode, Daphne has that take on the relationship. You know yeah. what I mean? Where she says it's it's always so much harder to make friends with women. Right. It feels it. it I, I I feel like the show is exploring why Daphne's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't take that as like true. I don't take what she said as true, period. Mm-hmm. But I don't take it as the show thinking that she's right either. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I largely don't have use for stuff like that. Sure. I, I put that on the same level as like astrology or like yeah. the, the generation talks. You Gen Xers need to, you millennials. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, I don't know. It's so broad as to be not helpful. Yeah, it's just, it's definitely, it's for sure a, a generalization, and there's always a million exceptions to the rule, you know? Yeah. But, to yeah, the reason it stuck out to me is because I always thought the conventional thinking was the opposite, right? That women are always competing with each other and that it's men who are viewed as this, like, sort of easy bond, right? Just sort of go with the flow type stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so episode four, uh, we're just going to go character by character again. Overview. Oh, overview, sure. What what do you think? Uh, Actually, yes, overview, that's right. Because one thing that I made note of, and it could just be, you know, the remove from the first season. I don't think it is, though. This season has felt a lot more ominous. Mm Mm-hmm. In the first season absolutely it's not as like light and it's not as jokey and sort of um light yeah mm-hmm. it's had this like really ominous feeling over the whole thing which is great i'm not complaining about it at all it just is interesting that it has it's had such a different vibe from the first season mm-hmm. i don't think the it started off i think that first episode probably started off exactly how the first season felt and then it's kind of very slowly worked its way into this like you just feel like something really bad is going to happen to everybody (laughs) yeah um but yeah i I thought it was a great episode and there was a there was a maybe a tweet or i saw something on the subreddit or something and it was just was like i wish every time i start watching white lotus i just wish the episode would never end right and it really felt it felt like a long episode and they feel like long episodes but I'm always like by the end of it, just like, yeah, I could probably just watch another hour, hour and a half of this. Yeah. And I think it does the, it goes back to like what we talked about where it's like a hangout show, but with more of an edge, Mm -hmm. right. About its characters. It understands 
that you do not want to watch rich people just be rich, you know? Yeah. You want to watch rich people be in crisis and in a specific crisis, like long and drawn out. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I like that watching the slow crash and trying to anticipate where this is going. Mm -hmm. I don't just want to see, like, in some ways, the, the, you, you mentioned like the housewives shows, mm-hmm. which to me feel like the action movie of rich people, you know, getting their just desserts. Right. Because even though they are getting famous, they're doing it by just completely sacrificing any sense of, you know, kind of self, mm-hmm. you know, outside of like, I'm a crazy rich person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I like the more, slow drawn out uh, car crash, especially when it involves rich people. Yeah. Um, I am getting more and more nervous for Lu- Lucia and mm-hmm. Mia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting, getting more concerned for them. Yeah. I will also say I really love the episode. And I think this was the episode I had the most personal connection reaction to. Mm-hmm. Like it, it hit me on a personal level in terms of looking at some of the dynamics. Um, I guess starting off the, the main thing that made me think too, and, and this is, this maybe illustrates that kind of like me being, it, it shows the, what's the, what's the word I'm trying to, the word I'm, I'm, thinking of initially would be Uh um the n-word no not that (laughs) but it it would be a candidate to be asterisked out Uh of uh, apple music so i'm not trying to think of another word than that but my upbringing had a lot of deficiencies Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my adulthood has been identifying some of these loose ends in these areas and this is one that, that has taken me a long time to work through. And I feel like for a lot of people, it would be so self-evident. where They're like, yeah, why is that? Why did it take you decades to, mm-hmm. to figure it out and articulate it? But this made me think about how there are ancillary behavior. Like, I was raised in a moralizing household mm-hmm. where I was taught to be concerned by the actions that people do in moral situations, if we think about anything from drugs to swearing to pornography, mm-hmm. right? And building that fear about those activities and then also building an inherent like concern for those behaviors for other people. So I don't understand how, like, you know, and you see it with smaller kids right? Once they learn that smoking can kill you, every time they see a smoker, they're like, why are, you, why are they doing that? You know, it's like, calm down. They, mm-hmm. That's an adult. Don't point. You can't tell them what to do. Right. right. And, it, and it's, that, it's that childish mentality that then is encouraged, right, as you grow up. So it took me a long time to understand that, like, these ancillary moralizing behaviors do not actually affect someone's core, like, identity. And so you can have people like Lu- Lu- Lucia, Mia, mm-hmm. um, like the singer. Like, you see, um, for, for example, 
Lucia is starting to say, like, I don't want this life mm-hmm. for, for long, right? Mm-hmm. And a moralist, right, would look at her life and be like, she's a prostitute, she's evil, she's bad, she's, she's worthless. Mm-hmm. And you hear that in a lot of, like, political speech, right, where they're like, liberals are, like, it's not, I disagree with you, it's like, you are invalid as a person, mm-hmm. right? You of an LGBTQ lifestyle, whatever, like we are denying your your existence, right? We're, we're denying your value, and that's what that's what the moralizing, you know, perspective does. And it took me a while to understand that, like, you can you can engage in drugs, sex work. At the core, you're still just a basic human who feels basic human emotions of like loneliness and a need for connection, right? You have this, um, this musician, right? The old man musician mm-hmm. who like wants Giuseppe. To, yeah, Giuseppe wants to have sex with this girl, and he takes her into a church, right? <laughs> He's like trying to have sex with her in this church, can't. Can't really get it to work. She mm-hmm. runs out. And what does he do? He immediately like <laughs> crosses himself. Yeah. Right? And you have this sense of like, yes, like in at his core, he could still be a religious person. Mm. All these other activities, right? If I catch somebody having sex in a church, again, as a moral, a moral evaluator of behavior, I'd be like, you're the most evil person I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. When in the in the end, it's like, no, I'm just a person who's horny. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, this is, I'm not trying to deface or defame God. Right. I just need a place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so anyway, it, th- this made <clears throat> me think that was one of the big takeaways where for me, it finally helped me like crystallize that where what does it mean to like have my own ideas and beliefs about how I should be living my life, what I should be doing with it, and then how do I not extend that to other people? Mm-hmm. And and how do I see the value in someone else even if their behaviors speak to something that I might find, you know, maybe not even offensive, but just like things I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, again, I think a lot of people are probably raised with that thinking of like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, so mm-hmm. what somebody says, like, you know, curses a lot when they're in middle school, right? Like, mm-hmm. in middle, I'd be like, well, I can't, I'm not going to hang out with that person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're not, like, a person who still feels all the basic things, right, that you're that you're trying to say that you feel more, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, did that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, this this is a good episode. Go on. Yeah. Um, okay, so Daphne, Cameron, Harper, and Ethan. Uh, these four. Uh, so D- Daphne and Harper return from Noto. And before, I do want to touch on the bro code. Yes, okay. Number one, I I think that there are little details that feel very lived in, right? And the scene where he like... So going back to the last episode where we talked about like, yeah, I don't know that I'd stay in a room where a friend of mine is having sex, <laughs> especially if I'm not. The, the, right. the, the, the scene ends with Ethan like in the doorway looking at, like right. looking at his friend. Yeah. And just seeing in the doorway looking at him. I was like, that doesn't make sense. This totally makes sense. We're like the next morning you come over and you like lay in the same bed yeah. uh-huh. as your friend. And you're like, you know, 
being uh you know you're joking around yeah with he's that. joking around with him but bro code do you number one would you abide by bro code well so that's what makes this whole dynamic so interesting is um before they return daphne has a moment with harper where she you know asks her you know where she has that moment where she's like, you know, I was really high last night and I may have said some stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, Harper uh, comforts her or whatever, reassures her. Well, the thing about Harper is she doesn't really, com- like, the whole time that she's just like, oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, she's just I, like, don't, you didn't say anything. Right. I kept being like, yeah, of, for me, I would totally, like, give something to somebody. It didn't feel like she was offering her comfort. It seemed like she was just giving her basic, like, um, dismissal. No, you didn't do anything. It wasn't like she was trying to make her feel better, which... Uh, I mean, I guess I would... I think she was trying to make her feel better, but in the way that that character would. You know what I mean? Um, But the thing that's so interesting about it is that um, Daphne asks her, you know, to keep it between two of them, right? Keep it a secret. And then you have that same moment between Ethan and Cameron, you know, where Cameron gives them the whole bro code speech. Um, and then when Harper shows back up to the hotel, she immediately starts telling Ethan everything. Um, yeah, there's no uh, friend c- girl code. Yeah, and then Ethan, you know, keeps it all to himself, doesn't say anything to Harper. Um, so I guess my question from, so if if that were me, yeah, I would have immediately been like, you were not going to believe what happened last night. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's not, um, (laughs) not even a question. Yeah. I mean, when it, especially when it comes to like, (laughs) if I'm incriminating myself, no way, no, I'm covering my, I'm covering my own ass first and foremost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and again, it goes back to like Ethan, not like th- there's those, there are those disconnects that are just so painfully obvious to me every time I watch them where it's like, he's not p- picking up on any time Harper comes in trying to give him something. Right. So he just won't ever take it. Yeah. So that won't ever be like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. That's kind of what I was curious about. Do you think that he is just a, a poor communicator or is he like an asshole? Like how much of that is him just like purposefully being like, I don't, yeah, I'm just not even, I just don't care. Or, or being like, yeah, I need to, I need to keep this secret. Right. Yeah. And how much of it is just like an awkward, I'm not really sure what to do. So I'm going to kind of not do anything. I'm somebody who is ready to give him the benefit of the doubt uh-huh. fully on the communication issue. Yeah. I am somebody who grew up hearing communication is a big issue in relationships and being like, oh, okay, so then talk. Mm. Done. Like not seeing what the issue was. Then encountering communication as an issue and being like, oh, when when there is no ability to communicate, like you can't do anything Mm -hmm. it's it's out of your hands like you literally cannot say words that will make sense to Mm -hmm. each other yeah it just just isn't gonna happen right so i'm very sympathetic to that 
Having said that, no, he feels like an asshole because those are not communication issues. That is just simple call and response. It's, It's like what I was saying with, you know, Harper's response to Daphne, where it's like Daphne is clearly just looking for a little bit of reassurance Mm-hmm. And Harper at least just gives her the basic element of, oh, no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. Doesn't go out of her way to make her feel good, but at least gives her that. Yeah. And no, he won't even, and, and this isn't the only time, right? Remember when, uh, two other times that I think of, right? When Harper was number one, like, hey, do you want to fool around that one night when he's laying in bed? And and he's like, nope. Mm-hmm. And then when she's like, I'm going to be positive today. He's like, okay. Yeah. It's just like, man, she, even if she's not trying in the right way, like mm-hmm. you can help, you can help. Yeah. So yeah, no, at this point he's feeling like an uncommunicative bastard. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel uh, great. And, and Harper's not like the, the way that Harper wants to talk about them and be exclu- like, you get the sense that that's how she relates to a lot of people in their circle. Mm-hmm. Like you do get the idea that at home too, they would go out to dinner, come home, and the whole thing Harper would want to be talking about is like, did you see the way that they looked at each other? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even when she comes back, she's like, oh my God, this is what she said. We're, we're good. Right. We're fine. We're, we're fine. fine. Yeah. And that's that, her, that's her takeaway. That's her her takeaway take is, 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 is judgmental of the other couple, but it's judgmental in the sense of like reassuring herself. Them, right. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, that's not a great person to constantly interact with. Mm-hmm. But in this little snippet that I'm seeing of their relationship, yeah, you're just like, man, get divorced. And if this is the way you're going to respond to your wife being like, I'm trying, is to like literally be like, yeah. I am not going to give an inch towards you. Like, I'm going to yeah. be calm. I'm just going to be like. It feels like he's just given up, right? It feels like Harper... They're both struggling. Harper is trying. Ethan has just been like, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the other thing that I want to say now, that I'm thinking about it. I don't. Th- no, never mind. I know it's not a true theory, so why even say it? Go. Do you think? Oh, the other thing. I would understand the bro code aspect of it if Cameron was a good friend. He's clearly an asshole that's not a good friend that yeah. you haven't been friends with for years. He wants him to so it's like, trade. yeah, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, giving my ass up for you. You're a jerk. You know what I mean? Um, do you think that Cameron left the condom wrapper in the room on purpose? That's interesting. I'm going to go with no because. I think if the night is to be believed, everybody was really like drunk and messed up at that point Mm -hmm. for him to like connivingly be like, but isn't that their whole, isn't that the whole deal? The whole theory about them is that, you know, they've brought them there for a very specific reason. And if it it turns out that they like have a, have like a vision board for how they're going to, (laughs) then yes. Like, like, okay. But if the night is to be believed, I don't know how he would keep that in his mind to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think now, like, what room did they, like, did he manipulate what room they went into? Well, I mean, they were in Ethan's and Harper's room. Exa- exactly. So it's so like, that was also a, you know, conscious choice to not do it in his room, 
even though he's the one that's having right. and the then affair. He ends up and he see my the theory that I was going to say that I know is not true is like because the scene ends with Ethan watching his friend have sex on the couch after uh-huh. pushing Neo away. It ends with the the next morning Cameron's in bed with both of them, but like it doesn't show Ethan go to bed. Does he potentially get involved later on? Yeah, I don't think so. Right, we're we're assuming that he doesn't. Right, and that and that's why I was like, no, I think I think I'm overthinking at that point. But um, how do you feel about him sleeping on a couch cushion instead of a bed pillow? That stood out to me. <laughs> you remember when, they, when they cut to Ethan? Ethan's laying on his bed, but he clearly has oh. like one of the small couch cushions, uh-huh. and he's laying his head on it. And I was like, God, that he I, was drunk, bro. I'd rather sleep with no pillow. And how did you get your couch pillow over there and not your bed pillow? <laughs> um, how do you feel about Daphne? Do you find her to be like a sympathetic character at all? The way that they're making her feel sympathetic makes me more suspicious. Mm-hmm. But she is, right? That she's mm-hmm. the one who like went through that horrible kind of C-section you know, thing. Mm-hmm. She has these kids, she's trying to, you know, get by on her life on her terms Mm -hmm. while being aware, like she's aware that Cameron has cheated at least once, you know, and all that stuff. But, I mean, as a rich person, no. I feel no, Mm -hmm. like, like feelings towards her. Yeah, I will say I thought it was an interesting... um contrast between there's a moment in this episode where it's just um Daphne and Cameron in their hotel room and it's just a little moment of them laying in bed together and just you know doing little small talk or whatever saying I love to each other don't leave me yeah and it it's interesting the contrast between because when that was happening earlier in the season it was a comf it was kind of a a confirmation or it was more I guess it was more of a contrast of like not a contrast it was more of like uh it, it kind of I guess was used to make you believe oh no th- these people are actually this happy you know what I mean whereas now seeing it in this episode after knowing everything you know it seems really uh sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> it feels really weird <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and, and I, I think it it goes back to the idea of like not not judging somebody based on their actions and how actions don't determine the, you know, inner value of a person. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like Cameron, you know, we can sit there and say, like, he could still love his wife, right? Mm-hmm. He could, but he's still somebody who's like, I'll cheat on her. I'll hire sex workers. Mm-hmm. Like, that, to me, then, is somebody where it's like, oh, that's a, that's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's not... There's nothing beneath that that I need to understand more mm-hmm. than that's that's him. That's who, yeah. that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Where somebody else, yeah, could access sex workers and be like, I'm really a good person. I truly am a good person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just whatever, lonely or, you know, I, I, but, but for the people in this, in this story, to a, I'm, there are certain that are like on a sliding scale, right? But but two of one, they're all kind of bad people. Uh, I mean, Harper's not a bad person. Harper? 
what about Harper is bad? That she gossips? I mean, the judgmentalness. Yeah, she definitely, like, again, like, sign scale, like, yeah, she's she's on the lower end, mm-hmm. for sure. But, like, even Daphne, we're, we're forgetting the fact that, like, episode one, they're like, oh, with all the stuff going on in the world. She's like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? That, that she's still someone. That was who, Daphne, wasn't it? That's what I said. I thought oh, sorry. Daphne. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, because th- this, you asked the question about, like, my feelings on Daphne, like, do I feel some sympathy? Right, 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 yeah. It's like still she's she's still a rich lady who's like living in a oblivion who thinks, yeah, I donate mm-hmm. to these causes. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like chill out. And it's like yeah, it doesn't make you good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Bert and Dom. Not much for Bert and Dom this episode. They are kind of the the characters that got a little pushed to the side. Um, but Bert gets to see Mia naked while she's changing in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dom uh, buys his wife an insanely ugly piece of jewelry <laughs> and then kind of tries to manipulate Albie into like mending the fence between really him and his weird. wife. Th- that to me also felt weird where he just kind of comes out and says it like, mm-hmm. I'm trying my best. Then he just silently points to his son and it's like... <laughs> But I have an obstacle in my way. Yeah. Like, yeah. What a loser. Yeah. What is wrong with? He you? also is kind of the uh, fast-forwarded version of Cameron, right? Yeah. Yo, yeah. You yeah, would yeah, think, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Kind of where they're headed, maybe. It, that was also one. I also love playing the game of when I see people having a bad time at a restaurant. Hmm. I love restaurants. Mm-hmm. I love fancy restaurants. I love going someplace that's going to cook me like, oh, got to go have this meal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing the game of when would I allow what's happening ruin my dinner? <laughs> <laughs> and like sure. I, I played the game with Albie <laughs> where I was uh-huh. like, if I was Albie, Number one, if I'm Albie and I've just been like lounging at the beach all morning and people are like, hey, come on, let's get like a five-star lunch. I'm like calamari, like already in my head, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. getting calamari, I'm getting a salad, I'm getting like, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to eat. I'm I want excited. pancakes. Exactly. And then I'm sitting down, I was like, if my dad said <laughs> what Dom says, uh-huh. That would like that, right. that, <laughs> that's when you're walking away. Yeah, that did hit it. I was like, no okay. amount of calamari in the world <laughs> would keep me at that table, even yeah. though that would be my driving purpose. At right. Every meal, know that my first purpose is to make it through that meal, having eaten my fill. Mm-hmm. And no matter the awkwardness that's going on or what, I'm excited to have that meal. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a lot for me to be like, yeah, I'm. I'm done. Let's call this early, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then now Harper, I also played that game with Harper. Like, what if I suspected my partner of cheating on me? Right. And then we went to this great meal. Mm-hmm. I think that would spur me to confront them. I literally think I would want my my food not to be Before spoiled. Before going to the yes. dinner or yeah. at the dinner? <laughs> like, it okay. would be, like, in the room before the, the dinner. Yeah. I'd be, all I'd be thinking about is, 
I'm in Italy. I'm about to eat a, a super great. I'm uh, not going to be able to eat calamari with this on my mind. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be able to come back. To this. We're in Italy. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I got to protect this meal coming up. Sure. Are you cheating? I found this. Are you cheating? Like, <laughs> right. I just, let's just get it out there so I can eat. Yeah. Well, also, I guess something we skipped. She, at the end of the episode, she leaves the wrapper on the bathroom vanity for him to find. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, nothing much to say about Bert and Dom. The one thing I'll say about Bert, I feel like if he was a version of himself that we thought he could be, like a true creep, mm-hmm. seems like if he opens the door and sees a naked woman in there, he could have closed the door and just been like, hey, ladies. <laughs> but no, he jumps out backwards, startled, and... Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was trying to talk about in the very first episode. Does he feel like an old man creep well, that, or does he feel like a creep creep? Well, that's what I'm saying. He feels like in that in that sense he feels like an old man like a uh, like an old man creep, yeah. right? He's just like, "Oh, I'm just I'm just flirting." Right. But a naked he's woman just sh- Yeah, a naked woman shows up in his room. He's going to run out of there and be like, "What's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> he's confused. <laughs> he's confused. He doesn't know he doesn't know what to do, you know. Yeah. Okay, so then we have the Albie and Portia uh, uh, drama. Uh, Albie and Portia agree to meet up at the beach. Portia gets sidetracked by Tanya, who takes her to the to party. Portia ends up meeting Jack. Then Albie meets Lucia at the beach. Then Albie meets Jack. And then Portia meets, they go on later on, blah, blah, blah. Um. Would you say Albie is a passive character or like a passive person? Yeah. I always find it interesting to the the levels to which passive characters will act on their own behalf. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw the girl I was interested in flirting with some dude while I was supposed to be saving her seat, I don't think I'd ever I don't think I'd confront them. Yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I guess think, that's, I think I'd just be that's like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I thanks, do. You still see him as a passive person? I guess I see myself as even more passive than that because I, I'm the same way. If I was sitting there and I looked up and oh, she's clearly flirting with another guy, I'd just be like, oh, uh, well, this is <laughs> this is not done. ever happening then. Okay. Yeah. Like I get it. And he like goes up there and like stares. Like he understands the situation. Yeah. And he he gives it his Albie best right where he doesn't like, he's like, Hey, are we doing this? Yeah. And she's just like straight up like, no, well, she actually proves to be more of the passive character. Like in some ways, Portia is what she hates. Yeah. Right. Cause she never confronts Albie. She never tells him outright. Mm-hmm. She never overtly confronts him in a way that he has confronted her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she wants a more assertive person. Well, she's not being assertive. Yeah. Um, did you get the... So they uh, eventually end up at a bar from across from each other, Portia and Jack and Albie and Lucia. Then they go to their rooms, respectively. Mm-hmm. And Albie and Lucia... We, we finish... The episode, or not the episode, but we finished that whole dynamic seeing how Albie and Lucia, Lucia's encounter plays out. 
which seems to be largely positive. Mm-hmm. And but we get cut away from Portia and Jack. And we don't know what happens. And you don't know what happens. Did that give you like a little bit of a weird, like bad vibes almost? Literally not until this very moment. It felt weird now to me. I'm, now because I Because it ends with like them fooling around a little bit and then him kind of getting on top of her almost on the bed. But then it just cuts away and you don't know. You know what I mean? And I just I felt a little bit weird about it. And I feel like the next episode we could be getting a, you know, Portia upset about, you know, how the night went or something. Do you, what's your feeling on Jack's people? Like his, oh, his, oh yeah, his I have notes about and, that later on. Yeah, like because they they also are weirdly ominous, you know, right? And you and you do get the feeling like they're fake. They're 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 fake, clearly. Yeah, and therefore Jack is also like right fake well, in some way. Yeah, I had a I made sure to make note that Jack, the entire Jack character is creeps me out. I don't know what it is. The accent drives me crazy. Just the way he looks kind of like a poor man's um, Thor. Mm, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. He kind of looks like Chris Hemsworth, except he's like really pale and he's got this incredible accent. He ate something that he's allergic to. And he's just (laughs) a little, he's coming down from it. There's just something about him that, yeah, I don't like. Um, but I don't, well, I guess I can't say that. And then also say, I feel like something bad is going to come from their encounter. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. Something left a little, left a little, uh, tingle, tingle in me. (laughs) Um, there was a note on the subreddit that I thought was really funny. Uh, this user... Sierra 59 said Portia dresses like Adam Sandler. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was going to bring it. I didn't know where to bring it up. <laughs> but the outfits in this episode are the insane. The outfits are nuts. And it, to me, it made me think like, was that in her writer where it's like, I will do your show, but I will provide my own wardrobe. Well, I there was a thing on the subreddit where that actress was talking about she dressed her character in this episode in a in a way to make it to represent the idea that like she doesn't really know where she's at or what she's doing with herself. You know what I mean? I still feel like a bucket hat. <laughs> Like where where would she even buy a bucket hat? Like you got like frumpy jean shorts. Yeah, it's was great. I loved it. I mean, it's hilarious. Um, and I think describing it as dressing like Adam Sandler Sandler's is perfect. perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> Just like it. Um all right. So Tanya and Greg, Greg is not here. You brought it up already. She gets hooked up with these with this group of gay guys who've been eyeballing her who've been yeah for like a day They've right been smiling at her and da, 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 and it seems they're baiting her yeah it that's why i said to julie it, it feels like they have to be con men in some way right well he tells her a story about an old woman gets thrown off of her <laughs> island so developers yeah. could get so what's going on with these people 
they're just con men? They they have to be, right? Like there's a theory on the subreddit that they are they are who Greg has hired to take out Tanya. So I'm the one, right? Who first floated the idea that Greg mm-hmm. brought her on this trip to do her in. Now, what what did I identify in the show? Number one, they know her. Mm-hmm. They clearly know who she is because not only have they been eyeballing her for a day, trying to like reel her in, but the reason why they first approach her is because I forget what word he uses, but he's like, you're dazzling or you're, and she's wearing just like a muumuu. <laughs> Right? Yeah. She's wearing like a loose yeah. fitting right. purple, like yeah. Again, no fashion. But Mumu. She's she's designed as a character to just look like a mess. Yeah. And yeah. and he's like stu- he uses some more like you're stunning or something like that. And it's like, okay, well clearly this is not you 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 aren't in Italy and see her and go. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're worth, but yeah. you are knocking me out. By the way, damn son, I'm gay. I'm here with eight other gay right. men. Yeah, and we all think that you're fabulous, and they're all sycophants, right? Like everyone is just pumping her up. They're all like, everything she says is funny. Everything she says is like brilliant. Mm-hmm. I did like the moment. When uh, Tom Hollander again, I don't know, don't know his character's name, but when he, you know, really starts trying to reel her in, he's like, "Tell me everything." She's like, "So I was born." And he just very quickly goes, "Oh, so we're going all the way back." Right? She's like, "I was born in San Francisco." <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. There, something is off. I don't know if I would make the connection. I feel like there's been a couple moments in this season and there's probably these same moments in the first season where you get to see that even just random people can recognize that Tanya is a rich single old woman. Yeah. Like a, just a target basically. Yeah. I, I right now I would say they're not hired by Greg but they are potentially people who make their living traveling the world, fleecing mm. women like this. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how far one of these women could get them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Depending on what their end goal is, right? But it seems like if you could just fleece a woman who's worth half of a billion dollars out of a handful of millions, well, you you now have funded your next trip to Hawaii mm-hmm. to then find another rich, right. you know, lonely lady who's looking to have some fun. And you have that, that, um, conversation that, uh, Tanya has with Portia where she's like, they aren't gay men the best. They're the best friends or what? Like mm-hmm. it's that stereotype, right? They're playing into that stereotype mm-hmm. of like, we are, we're we're just here to have fun with you. We're mm-hmm. harmless. We we're not after anything. And she's ready to believe that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um before we get to Lucia and Mia, I 
think we should probably mention Valentina, who is the hotel manager. And her, uh, the story around her that's slowly developing is that she is secretly in love with the um, Isabella. Now, was she in love with her because before Isabella or the or the work? I had definitely been picking up on like those kind of vibes in the earlier episodes. I wasn't sure like how because she doesn't get a whole lot of play time in the show. She kind of just gets you know a couple scenes here and there, um, and I'm not. I don't entirely see how it fits into like everything else that's going on or if it's just this own little side development, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But that is happening. Yeah. It, Isabella, I was like, cause does the fact that Isabella says you're a hero of mine, kick off her like attraction or mm-hmm. yeah, it was Valentina before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. attracted. And then that was her sign of like, Oh, she likes, and she buys that, Ugly. Yeah, she also buys. She an also ugly buys piece an ugly jewelry. piece of jewelry. <laughs> when she pinned, I remember. Like, I don't have audible reactions, but like, <laughs> that did get like a, a legitimate like, uh-huh. ill. <laughs> uh, and then we have Lucia and Mia, and I feel like up until this episode, which I guess this is a, a point to make later on. Someone else pointed this out on the uh, subreddit, but it it kind of felt like this episode one of the driving um, ideas of this episode was to kind of uh, flip everyone's the ear idea of everyone on on its head. You know what I mean? Mm. Ethan went from kind of like just the unassuming guy to being like, oh, no, this guy just sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I feel like that, that same thing with Lucia and Mia has happened because I would say up until this point, it didn't ever feel like they had very much of their own like agency i guess Mm -hmm. they were mostly just there to have a good time jumping from guest to guest Mm -hmm. and kind of floating right figuring out what to do based on what other people wanted them to do um and in this episode you know lucia like you said decides she she doesn't want to do this anymore Whereas Mia kind of doubles down on it and goes, dives in head first. Yeah. But she um, says, I create a monster. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one thing she did say, which I think is probably where your feeling of like impending doom for them came from, is Lucia had a line where she was talking to Mia and she said something like, all whores get punished in the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. that was like, oh, that's sucks <laughs> i yes. don't want that to happen <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i think it goes to the idea of i don't know if mike white said this in an interview i think i, I want to say that i think he did and i think it might have been on a podcast um uh david chen from the slash film cast mm-hmm. used to listen to that a long time ago but he started some tv review ones and he does one on um on White Lotus, I think he mentioned this because I don't remember reading this, but I think what Mike White said, like the it's it's the people, the indigenous people, right, or the mm-hmm. locals who will always pay the price of mm-hmm. like the rich, mm-hmm. you know. So people come in to exploit your land. It's like they don't suffer. Not nothing about their lives 
equals suffering. Mm-hmm. Only the people who were there previously get the are true, truly the ones who suffer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that that's that that's true. It's like it's like the the Qatar World Cup, you know, that's going mm-hmm. on. Have you heard about all like the controversies around it and everything? Yeah, I keep hearing. I just see the headlines about. I know there's some gay stuff that's happening, and I know that there's like they've they've banned alcohol. Well, they they also built like all their stadiums, all the infrastructure was built by like slave labor, right? Labor, yeah. basically. And it's exactly that thing, right? Where it's like we we get to experience all the effects of wealth mm-hmm. and you know, quote unquote progress, right? But it's always built on the backs of people who've suffered. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if I go to that place. Like if I go to the World Cup and like faint from heat stroke because mm-hmm. it's so hot, I don't get to say like. Oh, I suffered greatly because mm-hmm. it's like people died building the thing that I got to faint in. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, the, the suffering of the rich is always going to pale in comparison to the suffering of the poor. And I think like in my in my vision now, like Lu- Lu- Lucia and Mia have to die now because they represent the poor. You know what I mean? Yeah. The 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 strivers who cannot succeed in this world mm-hmm. of rich and wealth there's no place for them yeah um i oh uh do you think what do you think is going to come of uh albi and lucia it seems pretty obvious that there's heading toward towards some sort of like the the de grasso men Right, all have this relationship with one woman. Right, that's that's going to affect um, the whole uh, Dom trying to redeem himself in the eyes of his family storyline. Obviously, but I, I just don't know what to like. Where does it? Is it just going to be like a catalyst for the Porsche and Albi? Yeah, it's merely a question of what's Albi's storyline. Yeah, like there is a storyline I think where he's like. You know, you need to die now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, for whatever reason. Like, I have an image to protect of being this nice guy, and I can't have any loose ends. So I'm gonna oh, really? kill you. See, I don't see that at all. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that is what's gonna happen. But yeah. it's like I could see one narrative that like goes that wild, versus another one where it's like what feels like now, like a meet cute. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they go back to California together. Yeah, yeah. We're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in a perfect world, this right. is, you know, Lucia saw what the what the upper crust had. Yeah, and she's like, no, I I'm happy with Albie, and and yeah. Albie is like, I'm happy not being my dad or yeah. my grand <clears throat> grandpa, mm-hmm. and they're the hope funding. Those are the two extremes, right? Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is like, I could see. So, yeah, where does Mike White want to write Albie? Yeah. Is the question. Her fate depends on him. On on his character. On where, uh, on Albie. On uh, on Albie's character, mm-hmm. I would say. Okay, last thing I've got, I went back and rewatched the opening to the first episode where the dead people are discovered. Um so the show opens with one of the characters speaking to the survivor contestants on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember who, what character that was? Daphne. Daphne. 
Daphne is the one who finds the dead bodies in the water. And also, side note, going back to the conversation, she opens up the conversation by saying, you're going to love your stay. This is our last day. We're leaving in a couple hours. So they're on their way out. Finds the dead bodies, rushes out of the water, and she gets, um, like, consoled by some guy on the beach that doesn't appear to be Cameron. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem to be anywhere around. So that's the opening of the show. You don't see the dead bodies. You don't get even any sort of idea what the body could have been like. If you remember the theory I flowed last time, right? It's that Daphne is setting this up to kill Cameron to get her uh, So you think it's Cameron who's dead in the water? Sure. Why not? I guess that could make sense. And she's just acting? The whole thing is an act? The whole thing's an act. Because she she knows she's been dealing with this for a while. Mm -hmm. She knows he's cheated on her. She finds out that he cheated again. Bro code is going to get broken next episode. Mm -hmm. Daphne's going to find out. Cameron's going to have a big blow up, right? Because he doesn't get angry. He just has these moments of blow ups, Mm -hmm. right? And Daphne views that as like, this is my time to get myself out of this situation, Mm -hmm. to get rid of him. Forgive me. Exactly. And or Cam, something happens to Cameron uh-huh. that then gives her the ability of. It, it might you know in in one sense it could be like a situation where like, Cameron is injured. She could save him if she calls somebody, and she doesn't call anybody. You're not buying it. He's not buying it. No. So oh, who, no. Do you, who do you think the dead body is? You're wrong. Yeah, you just the get to naysay. The, oh. Yep. <laughs> I think the dead bodies are probably, I mean, thema- thema- if we're keeping thematically with you everything we've been talking people, about. only two though? Because also in the beginning, he says there's a few, right? Yeah. He didn't say there's a couple bodies. He said, I mean, maybe it's none of them. Maybe it's the gay guys. Well, do you think the gay guys are going to try and kill Tanya? No. I know. I think the gay guys are probably just run-of-the-mill con men. And I think, if anything, it'll be more of, like, this woman's just constantly being con- She's just such a big target. She's just being conned by everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the, the idea that Greg, that scene, that's always seemed a little far-fetched to me. And, again, the whole dead body thing. Who was it that died in the first season? The hotel manager. Armand. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It seems much more like a red herring in this season than it did in the first season. I.e., yeah. who is the dead body? Right, right. Yeah, and and it this one definitely feels like it has more more momentum building building up to who dies than season one. Season yeah. one, you. Again, kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's lighter. It's our, because of Armand, right? Mm-hmm. And then it kind of crescendos with this act at the very end. This one feels like that growing cloud, which goes back to this idea of I would love to have a White Lotus episode that truly ends. Like I mentioned this with season one when we were talking about it, where I was like, I I could see a season season one ending on like a tidal wave comes in just... <laughs> 
<laughs> wipes out, run out, wipes out everybody, or like this, uh-huh. where like a volcano truly erupts and wipes everybody out. Like, yeah. I want a season of White Lotus to end with a truly like monumental, like Pompeii esque mm-hmm. wipe out all the rich people, the ground swallows them up type of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I want. Sure, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. All right, a toxic chemical spill. And they're all quarantined there, and then the cloud comes to them. Bye bye, bye bye. Yeah, we got we got another appointment to get to. Bye 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 bye. bye, bye.